Thank you, as always, for listening. In today's episode, Chris and I talk through the scientific method as presented as a subsystem in Star Trek Adventures and then run through a sample of it. And we throw in some house rules we think might be useful if you choose to use this in your Star Trek Adventures or other 2Die 20 game. Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. Here we are together again. Um, And what's your last week been like? Uh, I've done... I've done two more lots of role playing. So good week. I did, I did mine and me and Brian carried on with our, our uh, cooperative no GM D and D campaign, which again took a weird turn. We didn't get to do what we thought we were going to do. We ended up on some wild goose chase rescuing a someone's would be girlfriend. Um, and then end up uh, messing up all our roles and ended up in the cells and happened to escape. Which was no GM is quite uh, quite good twisting. Is this? Uh, I, I'm forgetting here. Is this your the this way the way Are these call them rules that you are using? Is this all just you? You like something you're making up as you guys go, or you sat down and you said, "Hey, uh, let's do it like this," and then you've maybe tweaked it as you've gone. Yeah, I mean, you can check it on the on the blog, but basically, we're right. using a combination of existing. So, like I said, like we're using sort of the, the Twilight 2000. That's got a solo system in, which is done to flipping cards. So yeah. when we come to doing a yes, no thing, that's when we use the cards. So we use like literally, we'll ask a yes, no question, and we'll use the cards for that. Um, and then we use the Iron Swan oracles for generating things like sort of mission statements or, or things like that. So we just use it, and then we just kind of take with whatever we roll or what we flip the card for, and we turn that into what we think makes sense. Yeah. So like last week, we literally we went to these guys that had given us and said, right, are they going to give us a proper mission? We flipped no. Well, that was annoying. Um, and then we rolled for what mission they gave. And I think we got acquire love and we're like, what? Acquire love? And we're like, okay, okay. And then we just kind of, we turned that into, okay, the guy that we're talking to, his would-be girlfriend is captured by someone. And then we just rolled into what we got. So I think we rolled a merchant. Uh, and we rolled that she was a wizard. So then we decide actually this guy is a slaver. And then from that, we flipped like, wait a minute, is, sl- is slavery legal in this town we're in? Yes. Right. Now we know the other reason why people are revolting against the king and there's a rebellion going on because slavery is legal. Right. So that's, so that's this week we're going to try, hopefully, and we're going to get rid of this king because this, this king's got a long list of things that, you know, um, that he's not very nice about. So we're going to go and invade him. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's the plan. Or it could all go wrong because it's a load of it's random. And then we, yeah, we'll see. It's actually it's a it's a really fascinating approach um, to uh, you know to, to gaming when you when you're in that situation or even I mean I wonder I wonder how much more you could do I mean if you had three or four people but um, um, we'll yeah put a I think link. actually with with lots of people it would get awkward um, but then I also played we played a session of we played a session of the alien role playing game and oh, I killed okay. all the players so yeah did everybody go crazy and drop their gut uh, and run screaming. Well, We'd played, we'd played sort of an hour or two last week and it had gone fine. And then we played this week and yeah, everything just went to hell. And by the end of it, um, it was meant to be a three, meant to be a three part adventure. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the first part, basically everyone was dead or had gone crazy or was captured. Actually very few were dead. Um, 
So despite being Marines, yes, Marines roll more dice, um, but they still, the, the panic, get the panic gets you eventually. It's broken. Yeah, it doesn't, it, it needs, it, you need the mechanic for, you can just stop and take a break. But if you don't do the stop in taking a break thing, like if there's any kind of time limit or you're in a confined space, you are going to lose eventually. Which yeah. is quite fun because I didn't want to play another two more sessions of Alien. I wanted it to end. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I, I was kind of like, I am going to try and do whatever I can to kill. Uh, it wasn't even difficult. So yeah, it was good fun. Good deal. How about good you? Deal. Well, we finished up uh, Operation Wallace, that most recently published adventure from Modiphius for Octone Cthulhu. And it, it, it was decent. It had a, a, a pleasing, I think a satisfying uh, final encounter, final scene. Um, that actually I think will set me up for some story possibilities of, you know, different, po- d- different sources of threat. You know, not all the threats in this, in this secret war, whatever you want to call it, come from occult Nazis. It could come from, you know, enemies at home who aren't actually allied with the occult Nazis. Like they're just a, another belligerent party that's trying to take advantage of the situation. So that was, that was satisfying. Um, I still think that if, if you're a GM and you're thinking about running Operation Wallace, you need to make clear in the first scene that something horrible is going to happen before the end of that night. Right. In order to light a fire under the players, <laughs> so that if if they start to get sidetracked with like really detailed investigations that gobble up lots of time, you can remind them, "Hey, you know that you don't know what it is, you don't know where it is, and then the clue, you know, but something horrible is going to happen by the end of tonight, and then the clues that they pick up along the way will help them isolate what it is and where it is." rather than what it is, where it is, and, oh, it's, it's really bad and it's going to happen tonight. Like, I think that needs to be front-end loaded to make, uh, to make sense of the, to make the story tense and plug that suspense in. But it was good. It was, it was, it was fun. So now we're going to take a couple of weeks off, uh, two sessions off, because I'm going to be on vacation. Cool. Yeah. Should be. But today, we're going to talk about the scientific method in Star Trek Adventures. Uh, One of the, I guess you could call it a subsystem or maybe a use of the systems to achieve a certain very Star Trekian story vibe and story flow and activity. Uh, Yeah, I'd say it's a subsystem because it it kind of uses the extended task, but it's a lot of other stuff. So to me, it's a subsystem. It's one I would say is one of the two main subsystems in Star Trek. You've got like ship combat, which is not the same as combat. And then you've got this, the science. I mean, it's, it's got its own little chapter. Um, and to me, it's one of the best things about the, about the Star Trek set of rules. Yeah, I think it does a really nice job of taking the existing mechanics, tweaking them just slightly, as you said, the extended task um, system, and doing so in a way that really cleanly and readily enables the table to have, you know, the people at the table to have a Star Trek feeling story experience through the mechanics. I, I, I dig that a bunch. Uh, so let's, we're, we're going to go over it quickly because it's, it's not long, it's not complicated. And then we're going to do a notional example, like we have the combat and Starship combat and things like that in the past. So the scientific method is made up of three steps. Um, and those steps are observe, hypothesize, and testing. 
and I do have a, a, a question about the testing piece at the end, but but we'll get to that. So let's let's go ahead and talk through. I mean, observes pretty straightforward, isn't it? I mean, observe to me doesn't even seem like I think so. observes more like you 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 provide the players with the problem. But it says a scientist with, uh, is presented with an observation they do not understand. Yeah. So I think the main thing is is that the characters have to decide or the GM will say, this is what um, field it will fall into, whether it's engineering, science, or medicine. And the characters will then kind of talk to each other and go, all right, well, the person who's got the best skill in the most relevant discipline, they will be the research lead. And that's all that really happens because it says it's, you know, this, it's going to be a difficulty, difficulty zero task. So right. you wouldn't even roll here. The only reason you'd roll is if you're trying to farm momentum and you say well i'm gonna uh, roll to get a, an initial idea or something but really this is it's a kind of to me it's the gm says this is what the problem is and the the pcs go right well we think it's uh, or the gm says what discipline it is and the players will then decide all right well you know it's a medical issue so the the, the medical officer is going to be the research lead on on the problem that's that's all it is and it says you know that you could you could increase this to a difficulty one maybe or even more than that if it's a really weird problem but i think the I, I think on a mechanical side this step one observation provides the players obviously with an opportunity to pile up some momentum if they need it or they want it um but on the story side i think it also presents an easy opportunity for the players to feel like they're taking charge of the situation like they're yeah. getting involved in the narrative instead of the highly unsatisfying okay you know the 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 crew's fallen ill it's a medical problem that's what the gm says and you're like okay i'll just sit here and be your playing piece mr gm that's no fun i think it's also useful to work out because one of the things you do have in star trek is the idea of the the supporting characters so if it's very very clearly going to be a science problem and you realize well all right one of your you know you're playing the bridge crew the bridge crew you know that your bridge crew in in original Star Trek, obviously you had Spock. Spock was bridge crew. He was a science officer. But like Next Generation, you didn't really have a science officer as such. Um, so if you're in that situation, you might go, "All right, well, actually, okay, well, Data can do everything. He'll be part of it. Um, we need, you know, science crewman A and science crewman B that we've either got pre-planned scientific officers." Um, as supporting characters, or you're going to knock some up. When I, when I play Star Trek, obviously we only had two players. We sort of deliberately made about between eight and ten characters, and they all had names and they all had full stat sheets. And we kind of had the ones that Scott and Brian would would sort of play as their main characters. Those were their favourites. But anytime we needed other characters, would go to our, our like our sort of like our, our supporting character pool, and we'd grab those characters. And so that's what the other thing you'd have to do here. Oh, actually, well. You know, my my engine, this isn't relevant. This is a definitely a medical problem. Okay, well, we need the doctor and no one else is going to be able to help here. We need two other supporting characters or, you know, however many you want. So everyone gets to join in with a character that's going to be useful. So I think that's what kind of that's the main thing that happens in Observe. And that's really it. Who's who's going to do it? What problem is it? Yeah, I think that that's a good point. I hadn't even thought about that. The 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 kind of the, the sorting of the roster of who's going yeah. to take part in this. And if you need to switch out someone's primary player character for a supporting character or create one on the spot, this is an opportunity to do that. So again, this is a nice, a nice tie-in between the system of uh, generating momentum, the system of supporting characters, and then the story of what makes sense given the nature of this problem. Now, from a GM perspective, I recommend that people 
you know, you, if you if you're gonna have the problem, you know, throw a problem at the players, you should decide in advance whether it is in general one of those three. Is it more? Is it mostly a medical issue? Is it mostly a scientific, which is a really broad and kind of fuzzy wuzzy category, or mostly an engineering? Um, is it nature engineering? I think you know, unless a GM, unless you are totally fine with ad-libbing and throwing lots of clues that you feel like you can make sense of later on together, I think you need to at least decide which of those categories it is. And then we move to step two, which is hypothesize. And that's where the research lead, uh, and well, players rather, go ahead and start coming up with ideas. And I have never had a problem at this stage. Uh, in fact, sometimes hurting the cats that we lovingly, we, we, the, the, that we call players, like, come on, come on, focus. Uh, never have a problem with this. And, um, you know, mechanically, the research lead is supposed to determine or come up with a couple of these ideas, you know, uh, focus it down to maybe three to five different ideas uh, that seem to make the most sense. Uh, and then the question is, like, how do they go about figuring out which of these is the, the right way, quote unquote. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the only one on here that's a bit awkward because the, the idea of this, I love it, is that the GM doesn't necessarily have a correct answer whether the GM has a problem. You know, there's something wrong with a warp core. There's a weird nebula in the sky. The ship doesn't, whatever. The GM comes up with a problem. They don't have to come up with a solution. The players literally go, here's our four solutions. Are we going to do this thing with the warp? Are we going to do this thing with this power conduit? Are we going to do something with the computer? They just come up with possible solutions. Um so it means it doesn't matter whether you know they're big Trek fans or they're not. They can come up with, well, here's some ideas. But it's uh, you kind of have two things there. The research lead has to decide which one we're going to go with, but also the GM decides. And that's where you can get the issue, I guess, if the GM, because obviously the GM is going to listen to these four and think, I like this one, but the players have no way of knowing that. Right. And what's fascinating at this stage, rules is written, there's no rolling. No, it's just it's just role playing. Yeah, pure role playing. Now, and and I think you could take it either route, you know, or or a hybrid. You could just you could do it as written and have the players jump into character and get very Star Trekian and and trade all kinds of techno babble. And I think that would actually be a lot of fun at the table if you had people who got into yeah. the setting. This yeah. is a great moment to shine in that that like Gonzo Star Trek problem solving. Mm -hmm. uh, tradition and so they come up with all these ideas and the research lead because you've determined that this is an engineering issue the chief engineer or whoever's the research lead you know in the in that scene goes ahead and says you know i i think this one i i think you know these are the these are the ways that i think are most valid these are the hypotheses that are that are most valid and at that point the gm is supposed to indicate like yeah you know you, you think you're onto something if one of those hypotheses fits the way the gm envisions it now I said for observation, I think it's really important for the GM to decide the general nature of it, one of those three categories. But here, I've always just taken the one that sounds coolest yeah. from the players. Like, I don't, I, I'll have a general idea of what the problem is, but like how the problem actually is a problem and therefore how it might be solved. I don't need to make up that stuff myself. I let my players get all kind of crazy and, and come up with ideas and, uh, and I'll poach from theirs their ideas and, and put something together on the fly that that then is immediately responsive to the way they see it. And that makes it a lot more fun, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's why I think it's really cool. Um, I think where you have a problem here is if 
if the players are kind of really they're, they're clear that one idea sounds cooler then if you pick that idea it's going to be easier so it is kind of important here to kind of say players look right you just come up with between three and five just general ideas and then one of those is going to be the correct one and obviously you're you know you're going to pick the one that you think is cool but if the players have already got a bee in their bonnet about one then you, do you deliberately pick that one do you deliberately not pick that one that could be awkward but th there's a concept it's great that you do not have to as the gm plan ahead of the solution ahead of time it's the players that accidentally give you the solution and then right. you just get to run with which one. Oh, yeah, I love that one. That's a cool one. I'm doing that. So that's step two. I think also that I think if you're the kind of GM who you've come up with all you're good at this, that is you come up with clues and you lay these things out and you've you've you know, the 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 characters have been gathering information and 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 finding out like what is going on here and then if they finally get to this step we're like okay we can get our head around this problem and now we're going to figure out its nature and we're going to figure out like what is its core cause so that we can solve it i think if you're the kind of person who is comfortable with and has some experience with laying out all those kinds of clues, yeah, you could decide already in advance, like, hey, this is a quantum physics problem, I say, or this is a subspace something blah, blah, blah problem. Uh, I think the better way to do it is to is to take it on the fly, this step two, in response to the player's ideas and maybe – you know, maybe take one of them, like like we just said, or maybe take one or two and take elements of them and combine them together. It's still immediately responsive to the players, which then gets them more invested. And it also then, it it really does make the game more of a, a, a structured cooperative storytelling uh, exercise rather than this very like back and forth sort of game approach. But then we move to step three where the rolling starts. And this is testing. So when we move to testing, this is where the rolling starts. And I think what's important with testing, the way I'm reading it, testing isn't solving the problem. Testing is coming up with a solution to the problem. I kind of think it's a bit of both because what it says, so it says the GM assigns a number of successes used to determine if this hypothesis is correct. So you're right, it's not actually solving it. This is between one and 10 depending on the difficulty of the research, which is confusing because then they refer to this as the difficulty, but of course difficulty is normally right. how many successes you need on sort of one roll. So, so this is that, so a little, this is a bit, not, I wouldn't, this is actually very simple. This is a modification of the extended task yeah. mechanic. However, there isn't resistance. There are not breakthroughs. Uh, there's nothing like that. You just have to pile up a certain number of successes. The GM determines that number of successes that are required. And then the players as a group test their hypotheses, make roles, and they gather successes based on how many successes they gather up. Now, obviously, if they, if they fail, they just gather no successes, but they use up time. Yeah. Um, and much like the extended task mechanic, this is based on uh, the use of this fuzzy intervals, however long an interval is. You could say it's five minutes. You could say an interval is 20 minutes. You would assign the length of an interval, and each roll consists of – gobbles up two intervals. Um, and uh, and all, the, all the players are trying to do is meet the number of successes required, which they don't know because you keep that secret from them. 
within the the amount of time now maybe they know how much time like the warp core is about to melt and they they have an indication as to how long that's going to take or or maybe they don't know how long the disease is going to take to like gobble someone you know eat someone's brain or something like that <laughs> um that's up to the gm but i think what's important here again is that you know you're just piling up successes i suppose if people rolled complications you could you know maybe increase the difficulty or something yeah. like that but that this again per the way the rules are written this is not this is like figuring out a solution on the holodeck yeah yeah this is computer yeah. modeling the the one that's weird here is the fact that because they don't know the correct hypothesis at this point essentially if you well the example it gives in the is you give them a difficulty you say the difficulty is five when you've got five successes between you um although when it says between you it's meant to be the research lead is meant to roll and the other characters are only meant to give a die because they're they assist assistants. yeah um so once they've got so many successes then they will have worked out the solution however if they pick the wrong hypothesis then they haven't and that's the only way to do it so if they if they know they've got five successes on a particular hypothesis and then you say no that's that's not the solution then that's the only real way that they know that oh actually they picked the wrong hypothesis and then they don't have a choice but to pick another one so that's a bit that's kind of a bit annoying but again that's that's what you might see in I mean, the classic example I always think of this is um, it's not relevant to Star Trek, but the uh, the medical program House, where every episode there would be one new disease thing and there would always be a set of we're going to try this and it doesn't work. and We're going to try this and it doesn't work. and We're going to try this. And funnily enough, at around 45 minutes throughout the episode, they work out the thing that solves it. Yay. And, you know, the person survives or whatever. Um, That's kind of what this is. You know, you're, you're trying these and it might be that you pick the correct one the first time or it might be that it takes you four attempts to pick the correct one the way i would do this is as like let's say let's say the party comes up with four possible ideas and you listen to those ideas and you and you think oh that that one of them like idea a, a b c and d and you think idea d is really cool you're like all right i'm gonna that's that's actually the idea you don't tell them that <laughs> inform them that at the hypothesis phase you know i, I you seem to you, you think you're on the right track you're really not sure which one but you know you indicate to them that that's something they've said makes sense you know that d is the one that you're going to follow because you like it you think that hypothesis a is kind of dumb you don't tell them that but you think it's kind of dumb so you're like i'm just going to ignore that b you're like eh whatever but c you're like oh that's interesting but it's not it's not the one i'm going to go with what i might do is if they pursue C, they do a set of roles, and you say, you know, um, you know, you figure this out. Blah, blah, you know, you give them some techno babble in response. You respond in the story to them, and you say, you know what? You think after testing this, this is probably not the right route. And what I might do with one that I would call it like a complementary hypothesis, maybe award them like one success from yeah. that toward the final track, because knowing what knowing what route not to go down can be sometimes helpful in keeping you yeah. focused. So I might do that. Like if they go down the, the, the wazoo path that I thought was stupid, then I, then I might not award them any. But I think maybe that's a way to go about it. Yeah, I think the other thing I might do, if they pick one which, again, like you say, is completely terrible, I might after they've just got not even all of the successes, just say to them, like, you know, you get an idea very early on, unless they roll a complication, in which case I wouldn't. Yeah. But if they've got, you know, we, you've said, I mean, particularly if it's meant to be a big thing and you've said it's difficulty 10, that's going to be a big ask. So maybe after they've hit three or four successes, you can actually say, 
no, you realize now that this isn't working. This is so rather than making them do 10 roles to yeah. then tell them this isn't the right one, you could tell them earlier and say, no, this is, you know, because the fun bit's really the, the step to the hypothesize. And this is, this is the gamey part of it. Um, you don't want to just sit there. A lot of people doing roles for things, which then right. not working. So there are, you know, this is the kind of stuff it doesn't say in, in the rule book, but these kind of ideas we're saying here, these are things that, you know, you can put into your game that'll, they, you know, it'll still work fine. At the end of the day, all you're trying to do, like you said, is you, this doesn't actually solve the problem. This checks whether your solution to the problem is the correct one. And then it'd be up to the GM to decide how that is then, you know, put into the, actually put into the game. Does it need to do, you know, loads of other roles and create a device or whatever else. But this is the, is this solution the correct solution? Yeah. That's what you're working at. And, and also there's something not explicitly said one way or another, but I'll take by implication because this uses time intervals and extended tasks use time intervals. It doesn't say here whether you can use momentum to use to, to, to do things faster. I assume so. I am interpreting this to, to mean that if you have momentum, mm -hmm. you can go ahead and use that momentum to make it go fat to make your your testing go faster because you can do that with an extended task and here's the odd thing too there's no way to like buy additional successes with momentum with this no and that's the weird thing i was just going to say is that because you are just rolling you're rolling and your successes are going towards solving the problem yeah you're not really generate momentum oh that's true so if you know if you roll five successes you've generated five successes but you haven't got any momentum i mean i guess what you could do is go actually i'm going to put three of these successes towards the difficulty and i'm going to keep two successes for momentum to, to make my next roll better. okay I, mean, I don't know why you would do that because all you're doing is take away from the successes you need. What if this is like a combat situation and they're they're trying to figure out what the heck is wrong? Like there's something wrong with the shuttlecraft or the the the, the transporter. Yeah, um, I, you could use that. Yeah, or something like that. You, the, you, the, mm. Some of the team is trying to figure out a way to escape while another part of the team is defending them. So there could be a means by which additional momentum is being generated. But I would I would allow that. Like if someone wants to say, listen, I rolled four successes. I want to use one of them for momentum to cut the time interval in half because they know that the planet's going to blow up underneath them and they'd like to not be on it when that happens. I, I think that yeah. that makes sense. That, that makes sense. And, I, and the, the key here, and I'm glad that you pointed out, is in that first paragraph, and by the way, in the core rule book, the next generation uh, rule book, we're on page uh, 157, 158. And on page 158, where it talks about testing that phase, it does make, it says, this is between one and 10, depending on the difficulty of the research or the problem. Now they get away with that because they use the little d. They don't treat it as a proper noun, as modifious difficulty. They just say difficulty. But I think that could be confusing here. You're not going to have a difficulty 10 roll. The difficulty is going to be between 0 and 5. You're trying to gather up successes. So that might be a little confusing to some people on first read. It's capital D, it's capital D later on in that paragraph. Yeah, see? They're Recognize the difference between the proper uh, noun and the not so proper. Um, yeah, the proper. there's another. There's two pages after this. We was thinking all the Zen and the art of, of, of the Zen and the art of walk core maintenance, where it kind of puts some things in about again things you can talk about for sort of techno babbly type stuff, which is you don't need to read, but it's it's, it's probably quite a good idea for players to read, give you an idea of the kind of things that they might be worrying about.
No. All right. So we do an should we do an example of this then? Let's do an example of it. Okay. Um, so you have which characters? I have uh, Lieutenant Duprell, who is a Vulcan medical officer. I have Lieutenant Junior Grade Hanor Dell, who is a Trill chief engineer. Uh, and I have Lieutenant Commander Lian Zhang, who is a human con officer. I don't know what they're doing, but that's the, that's the three characters I've got in front of me. Well, how about this? Your, your team of three uh, took a shuttle down from your ship onto a moon where there is a Starfleet research facility or some kind of survey facility that, uh, that has been abandoned. And it was abandoned under, you know, sketchy circumstances. Your ship is there to investigate it. But because of those ever-present, like, space storms, ionic subspace storms, you couldn't use the transporters. So you had to take the, um, the shuttle down to the, uh, down to the moon. And you three are poking around this research facility trying to figure out where did the people go. There was a team of, uh, of ten they are gone. So uh, your team is poking around the facility, and while doing that, you are alerted by your ship that the, um, the moon itself has become seismically unstable. And you already knew that, but it has these irregular, they're essentially catastrophic earthquakes. And it appears that a catastrophic earthquake is probably coming in your area very soon. So you need to finish figuring out where in the heck, what the heck happened to these, uh, to, to the, the research facility crew before you've got to get out of here, before the facility is likely destroyed. So something's happened to the thing. So is this, I'm trying to work out if this is a medicine problem then or not, because this is the bit where it doesn't say who, de- who determines. Well, it, here's where it's a, it's a little like dodgy in terms of like where, how do you determine which one it is? Um, again, it's a difficulty zero. So you don't, you don't have to roll. It's showing up at this facility. The crew is gone. Um, there is no evidence of a scuffle nor any evidence of damage. Um, they're just not there. Um, uh, and 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 by the way, they had uh, a series of um, experimental, like geo, basically like anti-earthquake um, devices were running, and they're and those are. Um, those have, have broken down because they have to be constantly monitored because they're experimental equipment. And that's why they were on this moon testing these things out. So those things are broken down. That's why the earthquakes are coming. No one's around. Um, there is a stray coffee cup here, too, with coffee still in it. Um, but other than them, them not being there, there isn't any salient evidence of what happened. So I know what we're meant to do at this point is pick a discipline, but actually, since I have three completely different characters, I am going to kind of avoid the rules. Um, I've got three. Yeah, that's the problem. We can just, we, that's observed, essentially. We don't need to pick one now. So I'm going to suggest three separate hypotheses, which actually have three separate disciplines as their main thing, because that's my three characters. Okay. So you're, so you're going to come at observation from a different angle. I'm going to skip observation because observation, we've seen what the problem is. But I think, but, but they're all going to get there. I'm, I'm going to give you three different hypotheses. Okay. That, that fit into each of one, each into those three silos. Yeah. Because this is so, this could be anywhere sure. essentially. So, so, uh, my medical officer, because they have, I'm going to go through my focuses cause they'll make this easier. Um, because they have a focus in virology, they are suggesting that some space virus has just wiped them all out. 
buses. They've picked up, someone has brought a space virus of some sort onto the station, which is, you know, either they've got, they've got mental and they've run off or it's like to disintegrate and more, but that's it. Because so, she's a virologist, that's the way she's gone. It's a virus. Every yeah, that she is a hammer. Everything is a nail. Yeah, and there's a coffee gotcha. cup there, so she could at least she could test the the coffee cup for that solution. Um, the uh, the con officer, uh, because despite being a con officer, they actually got really good science, um, and they're a specialist in both subspace physics and quantum mechanics. Um, so me not being an expert on those, I'm going to go with she's saying it's some kind of time rift thing, which is a subspacey quantum thing, and that's come across. Oh, it could be like the ribbon thing out of uh, generations. Thank you. Uh, and that they've all been caught that. So that she's thinking that way, right? There's, if there's no sign of people, people don't just disappear unless it's something like that. It's a subspace temporal quantum mechanic y okay. thing. See, there's my really quality science jargon. <laughs> I like a lot it. of the words together. Um, and now you're in right. And I've got my engineer. So my engineer, he has got a thing for warp drive. I'm going to say, so the engineer is actually thinking that maybe at this base, they were testing one of these new kind of transport things where you could transport really, really far, like the trans warp beaming type things. That's a thing. It is. Uh, and so he's going to go, well, that's what they were doing. They were doing something here to send themselves somewhere else. And that's how they've got off. And that's what they've done. And then maybe it went wrong and killed everyone. Or maybe they all went through a, they transport beam the entire crew to another place. And okay. that's my, th that's my three hypotheses. Okay. That, that's interesting because you, you hijacked step one observation by providing me with the things, but without rolling, which is fine. Actually, I think depending on your party and your players that you could do that. I'm going to go ahead. And say, I think that this is, Based on the evidence, despite your doctor like, no, it must be a space virus. It's Spovid-19. It definitely is. And your doctor just will not let it go. She just won't let it go. Um, the engineer... You can't, you can't tell me which hypothesis is correct. I can't tell you which is correct, but I can tell you that you, after gathering a little bit of evidence and not rolling, uh, unless you'd like to roll, uh <laughs> you the the con officer slash you know backup science officer and the engineer determine that this is probably like categorically primarily a scientific problem not okay. inherently a medical or an engineering one it may have elements of those in it but it isn't like primarily that this is this is a scientific issue all right so I came up with kind of two sciencey ones. Do I have to come up with another sciencey one then? No, no, no. It says choose the research lead, then chooses between three and five. No, Modifius is Chris Birch isn't going to come like beat me up if you only that's have a, two. He's more likely to beat you up because you're closer. Uh, have you have you picked one of my? Because that's I I've given you hypothesis. Have you picked which one you link is the correct one? Well, you have to. Uh, well, you won't. Well, no. But but here's the thing. You gave me uh you gave me an engineering hypothesis, right. and you so gave me, science. So fine. now that we've categorically said that this is a scientific problem, the science problem, you've got one hypothesis. You, you, your team needs to spit out another. <laughs> now, obviously, there's variations on the same thing. Um, this is so, cheap because there's just so one of you. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the ribbon covered across, which I can't remember okay. what thing is that, but that's a science problem. Um, okay. I'm going to go with a standard that there's a, a local subspace anomaly. No idea what those are, but I'm pretty sure they say that in about 50% of Star Trek episodes. There's a lot of subspace anomalies in Star Trek. Okay. Um, and what's the other one? Uh, what can I use for quantum? What's the only thing else got? 
uh, astrophysics. Oh, I think we'll go with, because this is related, because there's earthquakes here, isn't it? Um, I think I might go that actually the earthquakes are being caused by a local stellar phenomenon, because I've got astrophysics, um, and that is affecting the planet. So that is both causing the earthquakes and has done something uh, to the to the to the people on the station. Although okay. I don't know what at this point. So it's a All it's right. a stellar, it's an astrophysicsy stellar phenomenon thing that's caused it. There you go. There's now, three weird science things. A little bit of side commentary. In a regular adventure with multiple players, I would have thrown clues out and had things that whether I knew what they meant or not, because I think that's fine. You can come up with clues, then just start spewing them at your players, and then they'll assemble something interesting that you didn't think of. Yeah. But we don't have that here. Uh, so take that into to account while while listening to this. Okay. After looking at those hypotheses and doing some initial research, you believe that you're probably on the right track. You're not sure which, though. So you've got right. this idea of like a nexus-like ribbon, something that yeah. like came through or was pulled That's out of subspace or another dimension with go which gobbled them up. You've got some kind of uh, local subspace anomaly that's somehow interacting with the planet or maybe the technology they're using. And then you've got something that's more related to the, the nature of what's causing the earthquakes. Yes. Okay. Which one are you going to pursue first? Well, have you picked one first? I have. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with the last one, actually. Since there's earthquakes on this planet, I'm going to go with the, the stellar phenomenon effect in the Earth, the planet, causing the earthquakes, because then that is linked to what's happening to the planet. Okay. Um, so, oh, I, what I didn't do is pick a research lead, because if we said it was science, I would have gone with my con officer, because they have the highest science role. But, um, so, so she gets the role, and then both of the other two get to, as long as they've got two in science, which they have, yeah, that's that's a key thing is that the in order to be part of the testing crew, the the assistants have to have at least a, a score of two in the relevant discipline. And I think this is where focuses, you know, varied and diverse focuses could uh, could really come into play because you'd have players offering up interesting reasons or as an old instructor of mine used to call them shaggy dog stories about uh -huh. why they're relevant. So you're. Um, the your con officer who is the the science officer here has a discipline of four uh terrific does do you think she has any relevant focuses uh no i don't i think for this no i don't think she has okay. relevant focuses the chief engineer because he has astrophysics we i said that was related so he'd be all I right think it is. but then and then the science the the medical person has no what i assume i'm rolling on reason Yes. Right. Okay. So my con officer. So reason, and, reason and science. Uh, now you have, um, since you decided not to roll at step one, you have no momentum to play with. Each interval is 10 minutes and you've got, uh, so each roll can, takes up two intervals and you've got no more than an hour before the planet, uh, before this part of the planet cracks up. Am I essentially rolling? two dice and then one and one or just kind of all four dice together they're all different colors. you roll the two for the one character and then you roll the two other ones because what you remember with assistance the 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 lead character has yeah. to get at least one success for any additional successes to to count so separate those well, i'll roll my red dice so i got oh i got the star trek symbol which i'm hoping is a one it's a one so uh, that counts as that's three successes already isn't it correct I got 19 on the engineer, so no, not a complication, but close. Uh, and the the doctor, 
Oh, let's see. Reason at level. I got a nine, so that's under their reason. So I have three successes. I did not roll a comp. Oh, no, I got four successes because the Star Trek symbol counted as two. So I have four successes. Okay. And we're going to use a little house rule here that enables you to use either bank any of those momentum, any of those as momentum, or use any of them to reduce the time. We can use one to reduce the time interval. It's two intervals worth 10 minutes each. Yes, I will use one of those points of momentum to make it go quicker. The engineer is helping out and you're running through databases and scanning tests and getting irritated at the medical officer who's still murmuring about the viral. Uh, it, it must be a virus. There is some kind of connection between like subspace subspace fields and something that is either of or related to the planet itself so it almost seems like this is a hybrid of two of your hypotheses all right so we'll, we'll try the subspace anomaly one now because at least she has subspace physics okay I'm trying to explore the problem from a different angle that makes sense um so let's see if that helps uh i rolled a 20 and got a complication i right, got a success there and the engineer this time ooh, he got a success and the sorry so i got three successes towards my subspace anomaly um solution but i did roll a complication annoyingly okay here's what happens uh first off how many of those three successes do you want to put toward all, all three <laughs> okay all three all right um here's what Here's what happens because of the complication. By the way, you just, you, you realize that in testing these hypotheses, in looking at computer evidence and scanner evidence and things like that, that there is something, that there's something inherently unstable about this planet. It's, it's um, like geologic, it's metallurgical makeup has like strange subspace properties. And the anti-earthquake rays interacted with that and caused like a rift that essentially sucked organic matter out of phase lovely with, because there's no organic matter on this uh this plant so actually there would be no coffee left in the cup right It'd just be the cup uh there are no eggs with like a fork stuck in it <laughs> but um but yeah you determine that that is the that is the problem now last time you only you use 10 minutes okay I'm going to say that because of the complication here, now you use 30 minutes. You use the, the two intervals, which were 10 minutes a pop, and I'm going to penalize you an extra 10 minutes. So that's 30 minutes. So you used 40 minutes. You have no more than 20 minutes before this planet cracks up. So you've solved the problem. Now this is off screen. Your challenge would then be to, I mean, depending on how I would want to adjudicate and you want to run it as a player, me as the GM, uh, Maybe we do a mad dash of an extended task yeah. as you try to like reverse engineer the anti-earthquake device to pull these scientists back out of phase or, or you just, stick them in a or, pattern buffer of a transporter and take that off. You know, you, you come up with some crazy Star Trek solution, but now that you know the answer to the problem, you know the cause of the problem, now you have to go about doing the thing, creating the serum, creating the ray, building the device that actually then solves the problem. Or, or just leave. You're like, whatever. I, 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 ain't paid, I ain't getting paid enough for this crap. And just leave. I've watched, a lo I've watched a lot of lower decks recently. They would just leave. <laughs> just like, <laughs> screw, screw these people on this planet. They're not on our crew. You know, they could die. 
that's a, that's a funny thing about Star Trek. Like everybody always has, or traditionally has, has mostly had like the highest ideals, which I like. I mean, I, I think, you know, fiction can point people toward the way they ought to behave, but, um, but like, do they ever just look at each other and be like, screw this. If, if you haven't you watched know? Lower Decks, it's worth watching just for the kind of, that not every, you know, most of the people in there still have the ideals of Star Trek. There's an awful lot of people that do not have the ideals of Star Trek for various reasons, which is which is where the comedy yeah. comes from. Um, yeah. Cool. There we go. Well, uh, yeah, okay. I, I think we got it. I think we got it. You know, three steps. Uh, only one of them requires rolling, and the wonky thing about it is that there isn't a difficulty. Yeah. Although I suppose you could use a scene trait to create a difficulty. Yeah. Um, which would then, you know, the, the momentum would end up going into, well, successes would, it would still be the same thing. It would just be harder to get. Oh no. What, wait a minute. Yeah. What effect would that have? Yeah. You, 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 well, you would essentially be, essentially you're treating it as each role is a difficulty zero role where for all of the successes you get are adding towards this overall difficulty track. But you could say that each individual role, you basically knock one off what you roll. Because it's just very hard, you know. But that would have to be you're in yeah. really bad circumstances, or you don't have the equipment, yeah. Um, you know, something like that. You know, actually, I, 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 there's, I think there's two ways to look at that. You could either say that makes sense because extended tasks can have resistance. So there's already a precedent within the rules for saying, yeah, not all your successes go yeah. toward that. Or instead of, um, instead of gobbling up their successes, you might just extend the complication range. Yeah. That's pretty better. You can just do that. So you don't set a, a difficulty at all per the rules. You just say, hey, listen, because of the circumstances here and because of, you know, the the room is on fire. There's a scene trait that I've dumped on you. Uh, your complication range is going to be 19 to 20. And then you could add more time like I did or, you know, whatever. You could you could do different things just depending on what what makes sense in the story at that moment. Yeah, there they go. So that's how it works. So yeah, we had said we might look at where else you can use this, but I think we can save this for that for another episode then. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, I hope that this was uh, this was useful, and, uh, and that you put this, that you use this in your games. Like it's actually really simple mechanically, and I think that it's one of those opportunities to throw some stuff at the players, like and and just step back and see what crazy stuff they come up with that you can then riff off of and and help create a cool story uh moment for i think that's i think that's a, a great use of this yeah this is definitely gonna be one that's cool when you've got a load of players and they're all bouncing off a load of ideas and then you know let all of each of the players give a high a hypothesis and yeah pick your favorite yep i like that and it also takes some of the burden off the gm yeah uh, and makes it, it does two things. It takes the burden off you, and it enables you to be, as I've said before, more responsive to what the players clearly express as their interests, which just, you know, that, that, that makes for a, a better game across the board. Yeah, it's good. I like it. Right on. Right on. Thank you, as always, for listening. And in our next episode, we're going to talk about some of the things you should avoid, some of the things you shouldn't do when you are trying to plan for an investigative story or an investigation-heavy session. Remember, as always, you can reach us by email at fluffncrunch, that's F-L-U-F-F-N-C-R-U-N-C-H at tutanota.com, T-U-T-A-N-O-T-A dot com. 
Thank you so much for listening. You can visit our show's homepage at anchor.fm slash fluff and crunch. That's F-L-U-F-F-N-C-R-U-N-C-H. We would really appreciate feedback and reviews on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. Thanks so much.